You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 449 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. Returning from episode 407, Stephanie and Tiago are back to talk about what is new in the world since they last joined us. Welcome back, you two. Hello, Ruby friends. So happy to be back. Hello, Brittany. It's great to be back. It's wonderful to have you. Now, the last time that you were on, we were talking about your course, Get to Senior. And so I'd love to know how things are going on your side. Things are pretty good. So we are almost at 50 students now. And it's really amazing to see the work that they've been doing. And it's nice to know that, for example, one of them got a senior job recently. So that's pretty exciting. And it's just nice to work with them. They're pretty amazing students. They are dedicated and we're so happy to have them doing the course. How much of your time is devoted to maintaining the cohorts of the people going through the course? So we launched the cohorts every couple of months and the cohorts, we have meetings during Saturday. And so it's not a lot of time but we also keep in touch with them we help them along the way to do the exercises and things like that but yeah i wouldn't say it's a lot of time we spend maybe a couple of hours every week on helping them awesome well the reason that you two are back onto the show today we're going to talk about a thing that probably is taking a lot of your time and that is getting into some open source work and so you two have taken over the maintainership of Faker Ruby. So I would love to hear the story as to how that happened. <laughs> so actually that happened because we met one of the maintainers, Vitor, and we met him through Get Your Senior. He also has a cohort-based program for people who want to become tech leads. And we were talking about helping developers and being educators. And he mentioned that he needed help with maintaining Faker Ruby. And I was like, wow, I never thought I would do such a thing, but we accepted the challenge and it's been pretty fun. I am actually dedicating my investment time at ThoughtBot. By the way, I joined ThoughtBot as a developer a few months ago, and I'm using my investment time to work on Faker Ruby. That is so cool. And by the way, Stephanie, I congratulated in real time, but I want to congratulate you publicly for joining ThoughtBot. We've had several people on the show from ThoughtBot, including Mina Slater, and we talked about how ThoughtBot is divided out. What team did you end up landing on? The Boost team. So I am working on a project that I'm having the freedom and the trust to improve the code base. And it's been really fun. That's awesome. So let's get back to Faker Ruby. There's a ton of Ruby libraries out there that I think that are easily taken for granted. And you'll see on their readmes that they're looking for help and you decided that you were gonna do this. So you now have control. How does that work? Basically the maintainership gets transferred to you on GitHub. You now have the administrative rights to be able to accept pull requests, release new gem versions on Ruby gems. What kind of powers were transferred to you? Yeah, so Vitor invited us to the repository and now we have access to the core maintainers team. And we also have access to Ruby gem, so we can deploy the new versions of the gem as well. But yeah, it was pretty interesting to participate and see people contributing. Yeah, basically he just invited us to the repository and to and gave us access to Ruby gems as well. 
And just in case, I feel that a lot of listeners have probably used Faker Ruby, but we could probably stand to take a step back and just kind of define to the listeners, why would you install Faker Ruby into your application? So Faker is a library that you can install on any Ruby project and it generates fake data for you. So let's say that you don't want to worry about names or companies or any other information that you don't want to think about it when you're building a feature, but you want to have some data in there. So Faker has a bunch of generators that you can use and lots and lots of people use it for testing or sometimes to just have some placeholder data too, but it's mainly for testing purposes. And it's really cool because we have so many generators, like we have some SpongeBob generators or Parks and Recreation. You can use the names of some TV show characters. There's a lot of generators. I don't think we even know how many there are and how much fun they can be, but that's why you use Baker. So I was driving home one day and I had one of those ideas because I am absolutely obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. And so I'm driving and for some reason, I don't know why I was thinking about Ruby tests. I was like, wouldn't it be so cool if there was RuPaul's Drag Race faker data in faker Ruby. And so I ran to my computer and I looked and of course somebody had already made it. So like to your point, Stephanie, there are so many different options and it's just incredibly cool that you can see all these different fake data. And it's great because, you know, if you're developing an application locally, you might use it for your local seed data for testing purposes, but it can be really useful for development just to fill out those views and be able to show your friends and family as to what you've built and, you know, maybe get a couple laughs based on the data that you've chosen. Exactly. Yeah. I always use Parks and Recreation on the project that I'm working on. And recently I made a demo and I used the Leslie Nope GIF and the teammate said, oh, I finally know who is Leslie Nope on our test data. <laughs> can we just agree that Zodiac signs are over and the new question should be, which option do you choose whenever you use Faker Ruby in your application? I think that's a new personality trait. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's <Okay>. good. <laughs> okay, so you now have access to the repository and you're taking over maintainership. What's the absolute first thing that you did? The first thing we did was we looked over all the issues that were open and all the pull requests. And it was a bit depressing, to be honest, because we had probably a hundred open pull requests with a bunch of discussions and a bunch of open issues as well that were pretty old, like from three years ago, four years ago. And we said, oh man, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff to figure out and to fix and to close and emerge. Does Faker Ruby have a reliable test suite? Because I can just imagine like all of those pull requests, probably a ton of merge conflict, et cetera. And then is there any sort of CI that's running against the pull requests that are opening against Faker Ruby? Yeah, so we do have a CI and we have tests, but some of the pull requests were so old that I don't think we didn't even have CI back then. It was like four years old, things like that. And I believe GitHub Actions is newer than that. So some of them didn't even have CI anymore. Okay, so Faker Ruby... Might have been a little dusty when you got to it. How long had it been since the last version of Faker Ruby had been deployed? Oh, I don't have that information for you right now. But just to ping back a little bit on what Tiago was saying. 
So our friend Victor invited us and I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to see how I can help. And I never knew what to do because there were so many issues and so many pull requests and they were so old. So we were in this hanging period for some time. And then I remembered that a friend of mine, Giviera, he is one of the maintainers of Show the Matters. And I talked to him. I was like, hey, Gui, have you ever had this experience? How did you solve it? We really want to help, but it seems like I don't know what to do. And so he shared with us this idea of declaring bankruptcy. And that's what we did. So we sent a message to all the core maintainers because uh, we have like a team discussions page for the maintainers. And I was like, hey, so here's the plan. Let me know if anyone has any thoughts about it. And so what we did was we wrote this message saying that in an effort to make sure that we can help the jam move forward and make sure that we can do what we can because there's not enough time to fix everything. And we literally closed more than 100 issues and pull requests with that message. And we also said, if you do believe that this is still relevant, still important for the library, please reopen this PR. And just, I think one or two pull requests or issues were reopened. So all of those issues and pull requests that were there, they were really abandoned and no one did anything. So they were just there. And so declaring the bankruptcy was great. It gave us this restart and this burst of energy. I'm going to take a moment to tell you all about Honey Badger's cron job and heartbeat monitoring. How important are cron jobs to your business? For me, they are absolutely mission critical. Honey Badger monitors your cron jobs and services to make sure that they don't silently disappear. When Honey Badger is quiet, life is good. Have you ever considered implementing heartbeat monitoring? Honey Badger also makes that incredibly simple as well. Honey Badger gives you a URL, then you call the URL. If Honey Badger stops hearing from you within the configured time period, they're going to go ahead and alert you. Honey Badger just keeps adding more and more tooling that all developers need. To dive into all of this, head on over to honeybadger.io. Wow. Okay. I love the idea that you declared bankruptcy. And I like that you had a consistent message that you were posting in all the pull requests and issues. Did you hear back from people like wishing you well, or was it kind of quiet for a bit? It was quiet for a bit, but some people replied and said, hey, this is still relevant. I can reproduce the issue and there's a fix for it already. You can merge it. And so they went back to the pull request. They updated it. They did a rebase and things like that. And then it was ready to go. So we could just look at the pull request, see the code and understand what's going on. And it was pretty easy to merge the changes because the person was there available for questions and the person was available for reading the feedback and working on it. So I think it was a good idea to kind of do this refresh because it made it easier for us to connect to people and help them and get things merged more quickly. Now, is Faker Ruby something that you two use in your day-to-day -day life? at your jobs? So the clients that I'm working on, we have Faker. And a funny thing about this is I met one of my teammates, Mike Birds, and 
he didn't know that I was one of the maintainers of Baker. And I was always talking about it, right? On Slack and stuff. And he was like, what is your relationship to Faker? And I said, well, I recently joined them as a maintainer. And he was like, you know that we generally don't use Faker here at ThoughtBot. And I was like, yeah, I know, but you know, it's like a bad library per se. One of the reasons why you wouldn't use Faker is when, you know, you don't actually want to generate random data for your test. I don't think Faker should be used for every test. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But that was a fun thing about, about Faker. We do use it at the project that I'm working on, but only for a few data that is really not relevant for the business logic. That makes total sense. Well, so far, I feel like we've been very much on the happy path. It seems like you two had really good control over what you were going to do. So I'm going to have to ask, were any mistakes made along the way? Yes, I did one mistake, but I learned a lot. So after we declared the bankruptcy, we went up and we looked at all the old dependencies and some to-dos and some hacks because some dependencies were outdated because they couldn't be upgraded because of this issue and something like that. And I noticed that there were a bunch of workarounds to make sure that Faker could be run by calling the generators with either positional arguments or keywords arguments. And they were there for more than three years. So I went through the Git history. I saw that, I don't remember the version, but in a previous version, Faker changed to only allow keywords arguments. And then I think, of course, that broke the library for a bunch of people. And so after that, someone added some workaround to make sure that Faker could be run with both positional and keywords arguments. And then I was like, oh, okay. This was introduced three years ago. And so if people were still using the positional arguments, they would be seeing a bunch of warning messages. And I was like, okay, three years later, I think we can delete this <laughs> safely. If people have been seeing this warning message for three years, I don't know when they will change it. If not, three years wasn't enough. So I just created an issue and I was like, well, we have all of those workarounds. It's been three years. I believe we can delete them safely and let's really move on. And I didn't know if we needed like a major version release because technically the breaking change, which was introducing the keywords arguments was already done. So yeah, I didn't know. I was like, well, we're just removing this. But then someone else, like someone from also the core maintainers team was like, hey, so this was break. We'll break the app. Even if this was introduced three years ago, we definitely need to make a major release because this is a huge breaking change. And I was like, well, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I really tried my best with what I knew. And so... That was also what led to releasing Faker version 3. And we were pretty scared. Like I was worried, oh my God, will people open up a bunch of issues after the release and complain about a bunch of things, but that didn't happen. And so that was a mistake, but I don't know. I think it led to a good outcome. Maybe. I would agree because I mean, with you two taking over maintainership and releasing a version 3, 
it's almost like a new era for Faker. So I agree. You probably learned a lot, Stephanie, and that was really valuable. I am curious, like, what is the goal for the two of you taking over maintainership? Is it so that you two get more experience in open source and contribute back to the community? Or are you actually trying to build a community around this so that you get more contributors, like actually working towards making Faker Ruby just a really resilient library for testing? Yeah, I think one of my goals was to contribute to the community. It's nice to be present and... Yeah, it's nice to work on libraries that I use. So it's kind of fun to see the behind the scenes because usually you think that, oh, this library here is super well maintained. People are super smart here and they're doing all this work and they know everything that's going on. Yeah, so I think that people know what's going on and the maintainers know everything that's related to the library, but it's not very true. So there's a lot of stuff going on and... It's a lot of work and you also need a lot of help. So I think one of my goals was to make sure that we created an environment that people would come in and join us and help us build a better library for everybody. And it's really fun to do that and learn along the way. We didn't really know what we were doing, to be honest, but I think that now we are creating this environment where people feel safe to contribute. They feel that they get feedback and yeah, I think it's just fun to contribute. Are you doing anything to make it easy so that the barrier to entry for being a contributor is lower for getting into Faker Ruby? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the main strategies that we have is for the issues, we try to make sure that we leave as much information and steps and a bunch of context so someone else will pick it up. We could easily just sit down and fix them, but I want to give the opportunity to someone else. So we try to leave the issues really descriptive and actionable. And if someone commented on the issue or on the pull request, I always go back and I ask them like, hey, do you need any help? How is this going? Are you still working on it? Can I assign this to you? Because it's really common, for example, for people to comment on an issue and say, well, I think I have a fix or I would like to work on it, but then they don't leave any more messages. And so I always like to just like ping people. It's not to demand anything or like that. It's just to make sure that things are going well and they feel supported and they know that we are there to help them if they need. For example, we had someone open an issue about one of the generators and the feature that they wanted to use was already there, but the documentation wasn't clear. And I was like, hey, what do you think of opening a PR and improving that documentation so other people don't have to think that this is not implemented? And so the person came back a few days later and opened a PR to improve the documentation. So. All of those tiny bits, I think, has been really helpful to have more people and to make sure that we have more people contributing. So I think that we had a bunch of new contributors on this latest release. Hacktoberfest also helped a little bit. I really wanted to have had more time to create more issues. There are some things that I think can still be improved. But I just didn't have the time to create the issues. But maybe that's something that I would like to leave to people. Like, just 
try to use the library and see what's not clear, what is outdated in the documentation and open up PRs for those because it's really hard sometimes to just have the time to sit down and write an issue with the steps when you have a bunch to review. So if someone already takes that initiative and proactively solve things that we didn't have the time to create an issue, that would be, I think, the best way right now to help us with Faker. Yeah. Sometimes when people open an issue, they don't necessarily think that they can solve it. And so one thing that we've learned is that if you just say, hey, thanks for opening the issue. Do you want to submit a PR for this? Do you want to work on that? People generally accept the invitation and they start working on a fix, which is pretty cool. So if you just ask people, they might help us. If you just ask them, they might work on a fix. And I guess they just need a little push or an invitation to contribute. And another area that I think we would like some help is with translations. So we have a lot of generators for English, but we don't have as many translations or at least complete translations. So for example, I have a friend who's Italian and he complained about it. He said, Hey, I would love to use Faker on my project, but you don't have as many Italian translations. So everything would be new. So I couldn't use it. So yeah, I would definitely invite people to translate to the languages, you know, it's a really nice exercise and it's really an easy way to get started. Just translate to a different language that you know, you can practice maybe French or Spanish. So, yeah. Please let your friend know that there is Drag Race Italy. So maybe that can be my contribution to the framework. Hi, everyone. It's Brian, your co-host. I'd like to talk to you about something that is very near and dear to my heart. And that's the software consultancy I co-founded in 2001, Atlantis Technology. Some of the longtime listeners here may know, Mirror was born out of Atlantis back in 2006 when we figured, let's try being Ruby engineers who recruit Ruby engineers. It was a unique idea that clicked and now has become my life's work. But while I've been growing Mirror for the past 15 years, Atlantis has continued to grow as well. Atlantis still specializes in Ruby on Rails software development and collaborates on some pretty meaningful projects. Here are a couple of my favorites. An interactive education tool to help elementary school students learn how to read. How cool is that, right? Second is a SaaS application for clinics and hospitals to treat patients remotely. So my point is the work we do is really meaningful and impactful to others. But the best part is the work gets done by great developers who also happen to be great people. Atlantis has always attracted egoless, empathetic engineers who love working together, and we are actively seeking more remote engineers to help build the future for our clients. While I'm not doing the actual recruiting for Atlantis myself, since my time is so focused on Mirror clients, it'd be my privilege to connect you with our CTO and co-founder, John Collier, who after 19 years, I still describe as one of the most relentlessly positive human beings I know. If you'd like to meet John and hear more about working at Atlantis, just drop me an email at brian at mirrorplacement.com and I'll make an intro or apply directly at atlantistech.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. So Stephanie, you raised a really good point and was that you've taken over maintainership during Hacktoberfest. So did you two see an increase in amount of just activity on the library because of Hacktoberfest? I think I don't have enough data to compare 
I think we did have some new people and I haven't seen them in a while after that. I think it was definitely faster for people to pick up issues. Like we think I created one or two that I really had the description for it and they were really fast. So I think maybe that's the information that I can see, but I also, I don't have enough data to compare because this was the first time. I also don't know if there was Hacktoberfest before on Faker, but it was definitely cool because I think that people were extra motivated to get the issue solved so they could get the points or whatever. So that was cool. That's funny. So I have a bit of data. So on the latest release, we have almost 15 new contributors, which was pretty cool. And I think the Hacktoberfest really helped bring more new people. So I'd say maybe 10 new people because of Hacktoberfest. That's pretty great. Well, hopefully they stay on the project. So one of my favorite things about the two of you is just that you are both developers, but you really know how to market. And so can one of you tell me about the live stream that you did? Oh, thank you. I feel like that is a great compliment <laughs> for a developer. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things that we really wanted was to kind of have more documentation, more resources for people to get more comfortable with jumping and opening things and helping Faker. So we invited Vitor for a live stream and it was really cool. He showed us how the architecture is, how does the locale files with the translations and the generators, how do they work? And we also made release live. So that was really cool because when we were doing the release for V3, we were like watching our interview because I was like, oh, what did he do after that? Because this is just something that if we're just consuming the jams, you don't ever think about it, right? So that was our goal with the live stream. There is someone, I think his name is Francois, I don't know, but he has been helping the community ever since the live stream. And he mentioned that he started contributing because of the live stream. And so it was pretty, pretty cool. I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, that is so great. I just love the overall story of it all. So I'm so glad that you came on to tell me about it. Now, one more question that I had for you, looking back, just what you've done so far, are you glad that you got involved with this? And would you ever consider maybe getting this gem into a condition that you're just like really happy with it, you hand it off to more contributors and then you move on to maybe another gem that might need some help? And that's an interesting question. So when we say we are maintainers, like there's a big team behind, so probably have 10 maintainers and they also help. But I think that, yeah, like you said, maybe we are good at marketing and sharing with everyone. So yeah, it'd be interesting to help other libraries get some new contributors and doing kind of a cleanup, like you said, or maybe do some dusting here, clean up the old stuff and make sure we are moving in a good direction. But yeah, I don't know. That would be interesting, but I haven't thought about that. Awesome. Well, as we wrap up, both Tiago and Stephanie, how can listeners find you? How can they get involved in Faker Ruby? We have our blog, we have our podcast, and you can find all of that hexdevs.com. We also have the Get to Senior program, like we mentioned in the beginning. And I am getting to senior and following the lessons that we share that. 
working on my promotion with my team lead right now. And so if anyone wants to also have a direction for their careers, have a plan, check out Get to Senior and Faker Ruby, just search for Faker Ruby on GitHub. I love to see people using it and giving us better suggestions for the documentation to make sure that more people get started. And it's a really cool library to get started, I think. And no, you don't need to have a issue to open a pull request. Just make sure that you add a good description while you're making the changes and you don't need to have an issue. You can literally open the pull request and let us know why you want to contribute to the project. Amazing. Well, thank you two so much for coming onto the show today. You two are such valued members of this community, and I am so excited to see where you take Faker Ruby. Yeah, thanks so much, Brittany. It has been a great conversation. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.